What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another vlogcast. This is episode number 44. This week, I'm joined by my special co-host, Andre Hangshua. I uh, brought him in. Full run-it-up gear. That's right, dude. We got some uh, some post-COVID fallout to talk about. It's crazy times, for sure. It's, it's weird. Yeah. It's eerily weird. I'm eerily calm. I was saying this the other day on my stream, that I feel strangely calm, like... This is my time. I like chaos. Yeah. And uh, I don't willfully like chaos. It's just like something I absorb pretty well. I well, think. you're able to shine quite a bit during these times. I feel like people like you, um, I don't want to get to the true Scotsman shit, but you know, true entrepreneurs are able to shine no matter what. And I feel like during these times where everybody gets depressed a bit, um, it's a lot easier to stick out. Yeah. You know, like, I'll give you a great example. Um, everybody does well in a long-term expansion. Uh, so realtors are just crushing it. But in reality, there's the seasonality year to year. Mm -hmm. But there's also, uh, I'm sorry, month to month. But there's also the seasonality of expansion to contraction. Right. And they're just printing during these huge expansions. And it's not just them. It's car salesmen and uh, everything like Finance. that. Exactly. Yeah. But now you have this this layer of people that were making pretty good money and they're all going to be depressed, yeah. you know? And now it's like, well, there's not a ton of room to really show your value because it's so hard to get those dollars. And for people like you, it's like super easy to do that. I, I, uh, super easy is the wrong word. I mean, I appreciate you know. the compliment. I don't know that that necessarily uh, should be bestowed upon me, but I do agree that like during a, during a bull market, if you will, it's easy to be a genius. It's easy to come up with the next exactly idea that people will just love, and we see this all the time. All these trinkets on the market, the 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 things that you see at the grocery store counter that are completely and utterly worthless to society. The boom in social media, even uh, apps like all that stuff. Going, there's no way that if Snapchat was born in amidst COVID, despite the functionality that it provides yeah. right now, yeah, there's just no way this thing goes for four billion. Yeah, right. But during good times. We just overvalue commodities. We we it's very easy for us to enjoy convenience. Oh, the money is just flowing yeah. during those times, and now it's just like people have to choose what they want to fire on. Yeah, and a lot more than expansions. Um, of course, on the other side, it makes it where um, there's just a lot less people, right? Like there, there were so many people that were making good money that are just terrible finances, right? And now they're just. <laughs> and i'm not rich andre i'm not rich now they're i mean you're not super boned but there's no, a lot of no. people that are boned right now yeah for sure for sure um i've i've always been lucky that no matter how negligent i may be and usually it's born out of the arrogance that <laughs> i can make more money i can uh -huh. always make more money um so like i am negligent to a degree but i always have some like like some layer of of insurance even if that layer is a little sketch, like a mortgage or crypto sure. or whatever. But, you know, we've talked about this. For, it's funny that like a lot of the things that we talk about here, we've talked about beforehand or afterwards and expounded upon. And man, you could be filthy rich right now. Yeah. If you just practiced a little bit of financial safety. No, you're 100% right. <laughs> but at the same time, uh -huh. I don't care to be filthy rich. I know. I know. I know. To no, be no. quite frank. Uh, I worry what would happen to me if I suddenly woke up one day with like 20 million. Well, maybe I shouldn't worry because one of two things would happen for mm -hmm. sure. 
I would either become the most worthless piece of shit you've ever met, mm-hmm. where like you just couldn't ever drive me to do anything. I think that's a lower probability of what what because that's not what drives me. Like monetary gains just yeah isn't really what I strive for. Or I would be so all consumed by trying to find like by feeling responsible to this sum of money and putting it to use and to good that it would actually just like eat me up. Mm. And I've seen like ebbs and flows of that happen to me throughout my adulthood where I came into like large sums and had more money than I conceptually knew what to do with. And suddenly my happiness like dropped dramatically. I see. So I started a company. I was like, here's a great way to light it all on fire. Let's start a business. What do you need to do, Berkey? Just send me 10%. Obviously, I'm not going to use it at all. I'll just put it away. Put Not now. Mutual funds and (laughs) stuff like that. But I'll, I'll invest in the stock market and then I won't tell you anything. And then maybe once every expansion. Yeah. At the end of an expansion. You know who's been doing this? Who's been doing this for me for like the better part of a year now? Is Dan. O'Brien. Yeah. I gave him 10% of my crypto and I just said, whatever you do with this, I trust you. And it ended up turning out to be half of my crypto when it was all said and done. Now it's all my crypto. (laughs) That's good though. That's good. Yeah. As I kept liquidating, I was just like, how are we doing, buddy? He's like, we're stable. I'm like, all I need to hear. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, it's um, it's a weird time though. Uh, this is going to be the first time that I'm in a situation like this. I graduated 2009. Yeah. So 2008 was already hitting the economy. Mm-hmm. I graduated into I thought a job and then not a job. Yeah. In New York, so it was a weird time where I was just like, okay, well, I'm still a kid. You know, Obama at that time just um, pushed the um, medical age of insurance to yeah. like 26 Six. or whatever. Yep. So I was under my parents. Everything was just fine and chill. And I found a very easy job there. This is the first time where it's like, I'm on my own. Uh, I'm ventured out into the real business world. And uh, I get to see the real and feel the real effects of this rece- this incoming recession slash whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, I was going to give an anecdote about how 2008 had no impact on me whatsoever, mm-hmm. but um, I ultimately went broke that year. So <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, how this is going to impact you, run it up, the company as a whole. Like what what does the future hold? So um, a lot of people don't know this, but about six months ago, Jason handed me the reins. Okay. So I became the CEO of Run It Up. He's still president. Obviously, he was still making a lot of decisions, but he wanted to take a back seat and not have to worry about the day-to-day stuff. Sure. And I was like, yeah, of course. I was his first employee, so I, I had, I think, the most intimate knowledge with all of Run It Up. Okay. I had this great idea of turning the whole con- company. We, we had to kind of pivot because we broke up with poker stars. Okay. I had this great idea of pivoting into uh, making going back to our roots, making sure that we're putting out content, becoming more of a production studio, really pushing and, um, you know, in the same effort that you're trying to do, kind of unifying the um, the content space yeah. in particular. That's That was my idea. Well, it's smart. If you become the production house for the, the yeah. four corners of poker... Suddenly, like you have a lot of leverage in that position. Yeah, the the big idea was, you know, to start unifying YouTube, especially because we're good friends with Andrew and Brad Owen, uh, Andrew Nemi, of course. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, I just love working with them. They're just so, such great people. Um, the YouTube community is such a great people. 
uh, and then merging that with Twitch. We've some of my closest friends in poker have been through Twitch, right? Like online, just straight up friends. Production houses are not good when COVID happens. No. When people don't want to be in the same room together. Right. And we found that out real quick about four weeks ago. Um, and people just stopped showing up. We had, I mean, we were doing something together. Yeah. And just, we would come up with a lineup and then everybody dropped out. Come up with a new lineup, everybody dropped out. I would probably be quarantined in Austin right now if uh, I hadn't been rushing back to put together the 1025 stream that we had that Thursday. Insane. And by Friday, the whole country was like just totally on lockdown. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure if I'm thankful for that. For, for you know, not being in Austin or if I'm remiss that I'm not in Austin. But I'm definitely sad to see that, uh, you know, this idea, because it's kind of a, it's kind of a long shot, right? Like in, in some sort of degree, you're, you're kind of like in Poker Central's basement, if you will, right? Like, yeah. you're like the basement version of, of like what they're trying to do at mass production. Totally. But we had such huge advantages. Right. The fact that we were in a home means we don't have to go through the standard operating procedures of, you know, 30 minute delay. Not saying that we didn't want delays. Sure. But when we have a 10 minute delay or a 15 minute delay or no delay mm -hmm. and do lower stakes, what we're able to do is really cool things. You kind of experienced it. We had like the printer. That was so we have dope. Oh, something fell from the sky. That was me. I, I haven't been to the other one. It's coming through. Read it. Read it. What does it say? I don't know, but this is the coolest. <laughs> Berkey has the posture of an ostrich ready to attack. <laughs> Very rapturesque. Can you bid to do live comments from YouTube? That would be so sweet. That would be really funny. We have direct interaction with the yeah. real world and what's going on there. And that's what made it so cool. And yeah. so different. And nobody could really replicate it unless you do that in a home studio, which the capital that you need to do one of those is insane. Right. And I felt like a lot of the things that we were doing together were working out great. Yeah. I, I had so much fun. It was the first time in a while that I really felt um, excited for the content that we're putting out. Not that it was bad before, but it was like, it felt like there was progression and it felt like, Things were coming together. So yeah, people started backing out and it was the hard realization. Looked at China, talked with my uncle who is also in, he owns a couple of factories in uh, Asia for rubber. And he said he was getting hit. And he said, look, Andre, China would not shut down their entire economy if this wasn't serious. Of course. And it's like this is a government that has shown no remorse for its people correct. over the years. And you should definitely take this serious because if it's going to be as bad as China, it's going to be pretty bad here because the leadership is dubious yep. at best. Which now we know leadership is certainly dubious. Right. Um so yeah, uh, it was unfortunate we just had to shut down the studio. And we were like, hopefully, hopefully we can start this up again. And then as news and news trickles out and I kind of forecasted how I thought the economy was going to go and poker in general was going to go. Um, it was sad. We, we decided on a tactical retreat. Sure. So we closed down the studio. Uh, our last thing, our last production that we did was Andrew's, Andrew Nimi's game. Uh, and yeah, I just finished 
packing up the last things to storage. And it's really sad. Today, just yeah. a couple hours ago. Yeah. That's where I came from. What so, happens yeah. What happens now with like the existing company as it is? So like Run It Up TV. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have much of a YouTube presence or not, but like, you know, people are watching, people are tuning in. You guys have a massive community. Yeah. I imagine you're just not going to let this crumble. So Jason is still going to start continue streaming. Mm -hmm. I think he's streaming every Tuesday. We're looking to expand that, but we'll see exactly, um, you know, what deals that we can get done, et cetera, et cetera. We're looking to still do run it up stuff. Like run it up is not dead uh, by any means. It's just, we're going back to what we used to do, which is just stream content and run it up renos. We still have plans to do run it up renos, but you know, if I was a betting man, are we going to do run it up in October? That's hard to say, man. Like yeah. I'm, I'm leaning towards no. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying it's dead by any means. And this is not an announcement about that. But it's so hard to see how things are going to shake out. And the way, the fact that people are so cavalier with how they're treating this virus, is it not almost 100% that we're going to have a second wave of this? Oh, for sure. For sure. I'm, I'll, I'll give you my forecast uh, and the way that I've approached this. I've tried to get ahead of it as much as I possibly can. I've tried to uh, figure out a way that we could potentially offer value without bankrupting ourselves in the process. Yeah. And as best as I can tell, the best case scenario, and maybe I'm being a little bit pessimistic, but <clears throat> I tend to think of myself as kind of having more of a, an aggressive approach at things. Even for my most aggressive optimism, I'm planning for quarter one of 2021, right? So as far as I'm concerned, every metric that I put in place now is probably going to be through the end of this year. And it's April 1st. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about projections eight months in the future where maybe by then we'll return to some level of normalcy. But yeah, I mean, I think that like, you know, we've seen the Olympics get closed. I think WSOP at some point is going to be back against the wall they're gonna to have to make a decision of course we're all hopeful that it's gonna be like a fall event something in october maybe but yeah i don't know i don't know either i mean i i would be flummoxed if they actually went through this year i think it's just gonna be straight canceled like i'm i'm looking at also like things like san diego comic-con mm-hmm. that's not canceled yet really which is i don't, I don't quote know me on it that is. uh it's in july i think okay still far enough away but it's like you guys have to cancel. Yeah. There's but, no doubt about it. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, for world series, we're 60 days away as mm-hmm. opposed to, you yeah. know, 120. It's true. It's true. Yeah. It's crazy, dude. Like I have, we talked about this over text a little bit in the beginning. This is like two weeks ago or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I think the normalcy thing. Yeah. January of next year, maybe. I don't think we get out of this recession for, Oh, I think economically it's going to hit us for a minute. It's going to be brutal. Yeah, I, I thought that there was a solid chance that we experienced like depression-like Same. Uh, economy for some period of time, for yeah. sure. Um, it's worrisome, too. for sure. Yeah, and, and just the way people are overreacting. The supply chains are like really, really weird right now because we don't actually have supply problems mm-hmm. in terms of food and, right, right, and right. stuff. Obviously, medical supplies, we sure. do. But... Um, the way people are hoarding is just like very nonsensical. Right? Yeah. Because um, like, even if you get canned food, you're getting canned food from all the same batch. Right. Right. So if right, if, right. if something's corrupt, if right. something's uh, going to poison you, all of it's going to poison you. Yeah. So it's like people are 
are reacting to the situation, which is reasonable. I, I I don't blame them at all. Kind of. It's a weird. It's a weird message being broadcast, though. I think where it's like, hey, uh, this is just temporary. Uh, I've said this many times. It seems like the mass media is kind of preparing for what we would call like uh, a winter storm, right? Where in reality, like we have a blizzard on our hands, and we're looking at yes. a long a long haul, right? And the thing is, is that people are treating it as both. So they're casually treating it as this, oh, we're going to be locked up for a few days. Let's all get to know our family kind of better type of mentality. But then they're hoarding as though supplies are just being evaporated. Like you mm -hmm. walk into any store and all of a sudden there's no toilet paper. Like you're only, they're, they're selling in rations now. Yeah. You have to buy paper towels by the solo. Dude, I mean, you felt this back on the East Coast with blizzards. This yeah, should yeah, happen yeah. all the all time. All the time. Milk and bread gone. Yeah. Milk, bread. Right toiletries yeah. for the most part yeah, yeah. yeah it was this the most annoying thing and it would always uh, unfortunately th i think this is where it comes to to kind of bite people in the ass is that uh our blizzards even in new jersey some would be like this is going to be the worst in you know 30 years and then it would blow over and right. we wouldn't really feel it yeah so that type of uh crying wolf i'm sure doesn't help yeah. with the mass public you know perception ultimately though we, the, here's the fundamental problem. We obviously have a pandemic on our hands. We obviously have to do extreme measures to limit the spread of this and to, to flatten the curve. However, we have a public that is unwilling to do that and a government that is honestly not best suited to deal with pandemics. Right. And I'm not talking about Trump or politics in general. I'm talking about just democracy. Sure. is not the best at unifying and doing singular tasks right right like authoritarians are really good at that dictatorships are, are really good at that um but i i think that's why it's gonna it's gonna devastate our yeah. economy and uh, us. i mean we've been through two crashes in our lifetime uh i was a senior in high school in 2000 and then i was what five years into my poker career in 08 mm -hmm. and neither one of them had much impact on me whatsoever um matter of fact out of both of them bore what was sort of a boom that was born so we saw the dot-com um or not 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 the dot-com but like uh after the dot-com bubble computer programming was just an industry that was like through the roof so i ended up going to school for that because it was i show up i don't know what to do it's like ah you have good aptitude for math do do this yeah it's like sure fine whatever and then like at post 08 we saw i think like a big advent in um individualistic technology so I guess what I mean by that is uh, the ability to pr pursue entrepreneurship through the development of tech, mm. where like in the past, it was always the development of a good. Um, and I think both of those were like very opportune times for this. Mm -hmm. We're on the precipice of, of having that technological wave carry us forward again, where we're going to see the development of automation, AI, and all these other things, but it's going to have the exact opposite effect, right? So in this particular instance, I think we might see like an absolute generational economic crisis that we could never really i mean we could have forecasted it to some degree but my fear is like the length at which it may last this may be where the united states turns over its economical power for good right uh this is going to be an arms race for automation for ai to get people out of the shit but the problem is with that whenever you shift that hard from a traditional uh system to something new and yang was predicting this it's why ubi yeah. was on his platform and everything yeah. else there's a lot of fallout Right. Truck drivers are going to lose jobs and, and all these other low wage 
entry level positions are going to be obliterated. Yeah. In a climate where jobs are already being obliterated. Yeah. Cuz how many how many places are going to say Okay, I can't either have this automated or okay, let's get by with these 3 people instead right. of 30 people. Exactly. And then they realize these 3 people can actually do 70% of the work. So let's just get 5 people back. There's some yeah. systemic problems that we had that's going to for sure illuminate those problems when we come back. Yeah. 100%. And we're just I'm echoing exactly what you're saying. We're never going to be the same after this. Right. Like the world is forever changing. I think this is going to be something near a depression. And the problem is we have, we're at the point where we are at such a divisive political impasse that everything, everything that we respond to is going to be sluggish. I mean, the stimulus obviously was pretty fast, yeah. but it was, it was a mound of political nonsense in there as well. Right? right. I mean, I shouldn't say political nonsense. There are some red really exactly red yeah. exactly. So, yeah, I am terrified about this. I've already told you. I think this is going to be cataclysmic for things like poker, mm -hmm. where you rely on people having disposable income, yep. and so much of it that they feel comfortable losing it, uh, or or of course winning it, but putting it at risk. Um, the only industry that I think is going to take off is course streaming this is going to be like the death of a lot of um expensive uh disposable production. time yeah. stuff right yeah, yeah. like yeah, yeah even productions but now it's like people are stuck in the house what do they normally do they go out and watch sports games or whatever it is um now it's just streaming stuff right like you uh, people are kind of focused on going to Twitch, going to YouTube, going to Netflix, just watching the things that they're not normally used to having so much time doing. Mm -hmm. And then that's going to carry habits into 2021. Yeah, not to not to play the role of Mr. Brightside during a cataclysmic economic collapse, but I almost personally see this as like a worldwide purge where we had gotten so fat with excess and so comfortable in this toxic way of life that to the point where a lot of what we consume is pointing the finger at the excess and how toxic it is my 600 pound life uh there's a dating show on netflix right now called love it uh sorry uh yeah love at first sight or something or love is blind rather right so they get set up in these pods where they can't see each other they they propose and uh, then they finally meet for the first time. And all of this is born out of the idea of uh, we have too much stimuli in everyday life and we need to regress back to a simpler time type of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I almost see this in a lot of ways as a way of drowning all of the bad actors, right? The only fear that I actually possess, it's not that we're going to live in poverty. It's not that we're going to fall so far from grace that you know, intelligent people won't make their way. It's that there's the potential for um, conglomerates to kind of overtake the world. So when we're talking about this arms race for AI and advancement and stuff like that, there's a solid chance that we're all saluting to Google somewhere down the yeah, line. Yeah, of course. And it's like, they're not the president of the United States. They are the ambassador of the world, Yeah. right? They become the, the Michael Jordan of the world, the most known name coast or, or uh end to end i am a hundred percent in agreement with you right like if we think about what the unifying forces were back in the day right like how we saw the 
how how we grew as civilization is we had an empathetic view mm-hmm. of each other, yep. right? So at first it started as neighbors and uh, it, it grew because of roads and roads allowed cities to form, right? And those cities now, we're all one city and we're against other cities. And you see that now with like football, baseball, basketball. Yep. It was still that to an extent. But then it's like, okay, well, how do we unify a little bit more, especially with control? And that came down to like states and then eventually countries. And now it's like, what is, uh, you know, bigger than countries? Well, uh, you could say religion, you know, is the unifying force. But after religion, it's just been nothing. There's been no way to actually globalize the world to unify. And that's why we have so much impasse. And I think... It's going to be these companies. Yeah. I mean, that's what capitalism is, right? Like right. you just give capitalism enough time and we have these oligarchs yeah. that just control everything. Yeah. And, and I mean, we already see it at a, a lower scale in the in the Apple versus Android debate or, you know, like which side uh, you see these memes of like, I should have known better when he responded with the green green bubble. Whereas, I, don't, I don't know what that is. Uh, so like if you're an Android user, and you're texting somebody on iPhone, it comes up green instead of blue. I'm loyal to Android, so I know this for a fact. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so it's like, you know, you're right. You pit people on sides Uh and, you know, effectively they end up going at war. But like somebody's going to win this arms race. Cell phones is small potatoes compared to what's actually uh, being forecast moving forward. It's like somebody is going to be in control of how the populace navigates their every yeah. single day life. And don't get me wrong. Like, I think that we need solutions like the whole breaking up the banks and stuff like that. I'm actually for that. Me too. Yeah. But what you're doing is just saying, oh, let's go back 10 years. Because yeah. these these systems know how to reformulate back into what right. they were. Yeah, so yeah. it's not like you're just pulling it back a couple. What we really love, the identity of, of America is capitalism in the beginning. Mm-hmm. When everybody truly had a chance and everybody felt like they can really do things. Right. Now we have this bastardization, right? We're in the middle of so many different things. And it's it's hard to really be for any particular solution that we have because we're looking for something that will never exist ever again. I think the problem is that people study all of these different uh, potential solutions and they pay homage to one. Right. They, they don't recognize that it has to be the, the aggregate of them all. Right. And I'm not making an argument for like dictatorships or Marxism or anything along those sure. lines. But like if you think about it in simple terms, we have two platforms that drive the nation, economics and uh, so basically so, social behavior. Yeah. Right. These two things are in constant disalignment. And the issue is, is that people want either the government to stay out of one and focus on the other or they want to uh, have the government solely like hedged on both and neither really works. So it's like the ideal solution is to be a capitalist through economics and a socialist through uh, social behavior, mm-hmm. right? The problem is there's that massive contradiction where it's just like, well, true capitalism believes in the market, not handing out or not giving handouts to, uh, to bring up the, the bottom or whatever. But even in capitalism, there's this concept of uh, altruism to some degree. Or, or I mean, I, I guess you could be an altruistic capitalist. Let's put it mm-hmm. that way. And I feel like until some like until some big event occurs, which is what's happening now. If, if uh, I saw a funny tweet the other day that said, um, it's funny to me how many 
people who believe in the market say, just give it time, the market will correct, are now screaming from the rooftops, we need our free medical. And it was it was kind of ironic to like read like, uh, you know, the, the libertarians, basically the tweet was uh, in not so many words saying like, libertarians are capitalistic until something happens yes. where they become democratic. Look, I, um, I, Dan O'Brien actually convinced me in a lot of his ways uh, to be more libertarian. And I was shouting that for a while and I came to a conclusion. I was actually in like a Twitter fight with someone and actually the person came at me really strong and I ended up changing my mind about it, which I probably never do on Twitter. Yeah. That's not true, but um, you know, it seems rather rare. rare. Uh, and it was about, it was about um, a business owner stopping or banning gays from yeah yeah when the whole cake wedding or thing. pizza or something yeah. i think it was wedding cake or something yeah. like that yeah and they're just like no i'm not gonna do it i was like okay well let them it's fine they're to me oh it's just they're gonna get punished but there shouldn't be a law around it mm -hmm. and they were coming at me with like um you know don't don't uh promote bigotry that kind of shit yada 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 and it's and um you know people in the LGBTQ community don't have power and they need people to stick up for them else the minorities are always going to be the minorities right. and they're never going to be heard. And it got me thinking like, that is true for a lot of it. And more importantly to me, it's like, if we do nothing, we just allow that, we give it a probability to happen. And I'll, I'm going to take the same logic and put it in a very extreme case, um, which with being uh, well the whole third reich nazi movement yeah like we do nothing and a lot of people in that system did nothing about it and you give a probability for that system to live mm -hmm. and of course it got struck struck down and everything but look at to the measures right the that extent it had to that it took yeah correct and i realized that you know in theory libertarianism sounds nice but um you give too many bad actors the ability to be major players that's in the, the game. That's the, the biggest takeaway that I feel like isn't taught enough to people who live their life by allowing markets to correct. The whole precipice of believing in free market is that it's full of rational actors. Yeah. And it's just like, maybe, maybe, and this is an extreme maybe in my opinion, maybe the simple majority are good actors but we certainly can't put enough faith into the humankind yeah there's just way too it's the same people who would never ever ever put themselves in a situation in poker to be exploited mm -hmm. right like they would never openly loan to somebody that they didn't know and just trust that like this guy's a good actor because he plays in the game you do yeah. things to protect yourself from personal exploitation yeah our system rewards sociopathy sociopathy yeah sociopath right? yeah sure yeah, well, whatever whatever um it rewards it unfortunately and we complain and complain and complain about the people but really i, I look at that and it's like oh this person did something really scummy and really shitty mm -hmm. it's like well yeah we have a game that promotes that right like of course we're going to have that you know we shouldn't be surprised in any of these and the problem is i, I just don't know what the solution is yeah you know i, I it's so hard in this 
who who knows if that is the best system or not right um and i imagine we haven't seen the optimal system yet i'm sure i'm sure it's not even close um and i also imagine this gets worse before it gets better Hmm. but i do have this hope where i i feel like maybe i'm just again being like kind of bright-eyed but i feel like there's a massive opportunity beginning now with with this pandemic that's upon us with the quarantine with everybody being forced into self-actualization whether they want to be or not the vast majority of us are just like left alone to isolate and be left with our thoughts right and that should send a lot of people down a path of like why why do i even bother what do i what do i do for this world what's my purpose like whether it does or doesn't doesn't really matter but i guess the point i'm getting at is like i feel like a massive opportunity is being created where yes uh, artificial intelligence is going to shape, reshape the way that we know our world. And yes, there's going to be economic fallout for days to come. And yes, uh, uh, maybe a simple third of our workers are going to be very displaced for the time being. But what's going to come of it, and this is why I kind of circling all the way back called this a purge or reemergence, is all of the things that make us human, that we are fundamentally impressive at not just impressive but like to a degree where it's unfathomable all of those things now get their shine so art music written word um you know even to a certain degree like the entertainments uh, of the world sports movies whatever all of that stuff is going to take front and center stage moving forward for the short run because suddenly it's going to pay to be an individual, right? We're going to have the conglomerates who are doing quite well and they'll hire who they can hire. They'll they'll pick the most qualified because they basically get the cherry pick from everyone at this point, yeah. right? At some point, it's literally just going to be Google, Amazon, and Tesla that's hiring. And they're just going to get the absolute best of the best. And in some, po- in some way, that's kind of good because how much longer are we going to put up with the fact that we haven't put a man on the moon in 45 years mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we're not making advancements in science at the same rate that we were, you know, five or six decades ago. And, you know, we've, we've lost the We've lost touch of what made America great for such a long period of time. And then secondarily, now all these people who are displaced have this moment where they're just forced into a corner where it's like, what's your talent? Okay. So you're saying that this is going to sh- to illuminate the people or it's going to force people to um, take on skills that are entertaining to others and it's going to illuminate those that are exceptionally talented and it's well at a bare minimum it's going to force them to uncover whatever hidden good they have in themselves that was suppressed by uh, just chasing dollars. Gotcha. I have a very negative take on this. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Can't wait. Um, so I think there's, we have two fundamental issues. I'll tackle econ- economic first. So I think that uh, movies and all that, that industry is going to get ravaged. And I'm sure you agree yeah, I think to, so too. to yeah. some extent. But when we have those systems where that get ravaged, I think generally they unify. So movie movie uh, productions are going to unify. We're going to get closer to a single entity. Yeah, Disney right is going to take over everything for cheap. But, but I also uh, my argument that I guess I'm making is that th- that ravaging process is good because it cuts the excess fat. We lose a lot of the trash that we've been consuming for a long period of time because 
people just want to consume anything now. What what stops them from just unifying the trash into their? That's stuff? fair. That's right? fair. Like, yeah. Like if if Disney just buys out TLC mm-hmm. right now, right? They would just keep TLC going. Sure. But they got it for cheap. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. And yeah, I'm, I guess there's I'm a ton it, of trash on TLC. Right, right. I'm viewing it from the model of like sports. Gotcha. Like if there were many professional baseball leagues, we would see a watered down version of baseball. But because there's one singular league that you know, point one percent of people who play the game mm-hmm. make it to, we see the absolute best of the best. Yeah. I mean, that is with a specific skill set, but man, people what scares me is that people like this tiger show, I forgot what oh, it's yeah, called. Oh yeah, yeah. The like, tiger king. Everybody's talking about that. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Um obviously. Human interest, man. <laughs> but it sounds very fucking trashy, dude. I've seen more bachelor posts on Twitter than yeah. I've ever seen before in my life. Yeah, yeah. Who the fuck is going to fall in love in 30 days or whatever? Of course. It's such nonsense, dude. But to that end, they do get the prettiest of the pretty people on sure, that show. Sure. But it's garbage TV. Yeah, yeah. No, it's trash. It's you know? total trash. So the idea that all of that is just going to go by the wayside is nonsense. Mm. But again, what what scares me is that we don't have the diversity of uh, supply now for people because single entities are going to control gigantic industries now. Yeah. So that terrifies the shit out of me. The other thing that terrifies me is that you're talking about a lot of things like, hey, if you're really skilled in X, you should really, you know, let's say I'm a, a great orator or uh, I'm really charismatic with talking into the camera. Mm-hmm. The problem is the globalization of all of uh, personalities, right? We now know, like, I can go and Google who's the best card trick person, right? Sure. Like uh, the magic trick person. I can go Google who um, makes the most delicious pancakes, right? And on YouTube, it just shows me who that is. Mm-hmm. And now I can compare that to you who maybe makes great pancakes and makes great videos and puts great content out there. But you're matched to the global world. Right. So it minimizes a lot of people in doing that. You see that on Twitch all the time. There's some fucking amazing players on Twitch, but they get dwarfed because they just weren't at the right place in the right time. Sure. You know, they're not, they don't have the personality to fit the the play style or the personality to fit the, the, the their actual play capabilities. Um, so everybody has ridiculously high standards. So I, I talked about the economic, this is more of like the social um uh, understanding or social, I don't know what the word is, but now people uh, are just unimpressed all the time. Yeah, yeah. And it makes content so fucking hard. I mean, yeah. we've, we've had this problem in poker. You know, there's so many players out there that are putting out good content, but it's just not interesting or it's not perceived as interesting. Sure. And yeah, I think we have so many problems because the population is growing still, dude. Like, I think all that's true. Um, and I, I do worry that a boom is going to come out of this. Like we're going to see a second baby boom. I, people getting caged up for 90 days. I'm, And let's be honest, we need to reduce. Yeah. Well, it's weird because I've heard stats of people saying like uh, over the last 10 years or 15 years, something like that, the United States population is trending towards an all-time low. People aren't having sex as much and all these other things. And they're portraying it as if it's a problem. And I like look at L- L.A., and it's like, seems like a good event yeah, yeah. To, uh, to, you know, lessen the density here a little bit. And let's be honest, too. The main reason why our economy grew from the 1930s to the 2020 
is fucking the population boom. Yeah. You have all these people now that can produce more. Mm. So people think that, you know, we've increased productivity, which we have. Don't get me wrong. There's been a ton of revolutions uh, in, in technology. But the reality is it's so much easier when you have more people and so much freaking land and so much land in so many different ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's so much easier to increase your economy that way. And now once we get to a point where, you know, there's less people affording Medicare um, and, and paying for, you know, the boomers and stuff like that. Man, we are in some deep shit. Our yeah. generation is in deep shit. I and agree. the generations after us are in deep shit. Yeah. And dude, I don't think there's like a clear fix to anything. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, it's concerning to me. What would most concern me, I guess, would be if we came out of this pandemic and somehow global issues still weren't being addressed, like global warming, um, like you know, basically environmental issues as a whole. It's like there are a lot of threats to just our stability on this planet, period, that seem to keep going unaddressed. Mm -hmm. And it's like if anything should be a wake-up call, it's a goddamn flu that literally stopped the world from turning for three months plus. I mean, if something that small can have that much of a worldwide impact. Yeah. Think of what the oceans getting a couple degrees warmer can do. Like, at some point, we have to be putting the scientists on display saying, like, yo, ice caps are melting. This is a problem. Remember the dinosaurs? <laughs> Let me explain to you how they went exist. <laughs> We're next. Yeah. I agree, dude. And the sad part is we are, I think, on a track to disregard that more and more i agree right the epa yeah. just uh the what was it the the red tape being slashed recently i think they they dropped all indefinitely dropped all um regulations mm. for epa shit which is obviously ridiculous right it's there for a reason yeah <laughs> you know, I mean, it took us a long time to get to a point where we could actually have like some clean energy and shit like that so this is my prediction and forecast of how things work out so we're in a recession right now i know it's technically not qualified as that because we need two quarters of yeah but i think we are this this quarter clearly we got fucked yep so we're in a recession right now it's probably going to lean towards a depression i'm sure there's going to be plenty of stimulus bullshit yada 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 but you know the stock market is still playing the game of the stock market what it hasn't reflected what's actually happening mm-hmm and the reality that, you know, people are saying here in Vegas that 75% of restaurants aren't going to reopen. I believe that. That is fucking wild yeah. and cataclysmic yeah, yeah. for the economy of Las Vegas. Right. For sure. For sure. I think we're heading towards a depression. There needs to be a tremendous amount of stimulus to get everybody up and running again. We have the AI that's definitely going to take over a lot of jobs because this is the natural time to actually start doing that. Right. Exactly. Um and we have unification of of large companies to take over the rest of the world. So nothing in there says to me that there's going to be a redistribution of wealth right. where the bottom gets propped up enough to where me and you can go and stream and do that for a living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, that's fair. Like that's what's scary to me because dude, I would love to stream for a living. I tried it for a little bit. It's fucking hard. And I mean, you feel it right now, that pressure. I don't get it, man. I don't understand how these guys do it. Like it's, it's exhausting. Uh, it's really, really, really challenging to 
show up and play. I, I felt the decline every single day. Uh-huh. Like day one, I get second place in the tournament. Not shocking. I play out of my mind. Yeah. By day eight, I didn't cash anything and I barely got out of the reentry periods. And I'm just like, yeah, of course. Like I'm running poorly, but like I'm definitely not playing the same as I was day one. Jason did an absurd 77 days straight. That's what he would he would do um seasons. Yeah. yeah. 77 days straight. It's insane. Eight to at least eight hours a day. He would do like 14 to 20 hour days sometimes. Yeah, it's crazy. Just ridiculous. Why? Sh- Why do people want to see it seven days a week? I don't get it. I don't know. I mean, I understand Consistent. it passes the time. It's yeah. a community thing and everything else, but it's like... Oh, that's... You hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Uh, Twitch is so unique, and that's what I've been pushing for a lot of the partners that I've been talking to, which is Twitch is not just a social media platform where it's a catch and release, right? You don't just put out a tweet, hopefully it sticks, that's it. Yeah. You really have to interact because it's a community. You're building people that are part of your lifestyle brand. Sure. So people that actually want to say, hey, Berkey's online. I'm going to change this, my schedule for the day. Right, now, right. Maybe they're not doing it um, explicitly, but they're saying, oh, Berkey's on. And that, now you just do that for the next four or five hours. Yeah. You know, that's what Twitch and streaming really is. Yeah. I'm getting to know these people. I got to know Jason so well through the stream and I picked up all of his mannerisms, a lot of his mannerisms through that. Yeah. It's really frustrating sometimes. Yeah, yeah I get it. But- that that's really what you're doing and again some of my very close friends come from run it up reno come from the actual community that we've built and it's it's a beautiful thing because it's they're people that you choose to be friends with rather than being friends with them out of um uh convenience sure right you grow up in high school people around you they're not they're your friends, don't get me wrong, but they're your friends because of your juxtaposition with them yeah. uh, in life. Yeah. But that's the, in my opinion, the beauty of esports and, and these communities that pop up. Uh, StarCraft, the people in there were the first people I felt that I could relate to and I actually chose to be their friends right? because we would hang out all the time online, eventually we would hang out in real life. But that that's what's so unique about Twitch. And that's what you're already culminating. Dude, it's insane that you went from like 400 people to 1,400 people Crazy. in like two weeks. Crazy. Not even two weeks. Not even. Eight days. Eight yeah. streams. By the fourth stream, we had 1,400 concurrent. It's insane. I don't understand. I, I honestly like, I'm flummoxed. I uh, I don't know. Even, I don't even know what goes into a good stream. I just show up. I talk a little shit and I play cards. Yeah. And it's like, that's that's literally the only thing I know how to do. I feel like for me, it's been kind of relieving in the sense that most of the platforms that people see me on, they get little snippets of who I am. And most of it is me being on mm-hmm. as like a professional in some sort of capacity. So I think people think that like, I'm just this guy who has a thesaurus on hand at all times and is trying to speak over people's heads on intentionally or, or whatever the case may be. But like in these streams, that's not it at all, right? I'm literally just like, I feel like I'm reverting back to like my college self where I'm just hanging around playing a game and talking shit with them about the players who are there yeah. or the, the events that are occurring or whatever the case you, may be. You're so real real when you do that. You know, even now it'll be, you know, a hundred dollar tournament or whatever. And uh, you run it into something, you know, you're in a tough spot in the river. Like, come on, man. You yeah. know, it's just like so pure. It's brutal. It's, it's fucking brutal. I feel every bit of it. And like, maybe that's. But I, I love that. Yes. Yeah. I love it because it's like, 
Man, sometimes, Berkey, you can seem so far away because you talk about these stories like, oh, yeah, I've had multiple million dollar pots. Yeah. And even $100 or $250 or $500, that's a lot of money to me sure. to, to, to put on a tournament. Of course, it's different because your EV is a lot higher than mine. But when I look at that, I'm like, man, he put up 30K in buy-ins the last seven days. That's fucking insane. Yeah. You know? And when you are still like, oh, God, at a hundred dollar tournament, it's right. like, oh, he's still human. Yeah, we're we're still at the same we're we're still at the same platform. Yeah, where of relatability. I try not to do I try not to do it in a way a that feels disingenuous to me, but more importantly, I try not to allow my myself to let my guard down in situations that will allow people to think like, uh, like of the mindset of like we all run bad, mm-hmm. right? I hate feeding into that narrative, but. I'm very happy to show my emotion uh-huh. when I think someone plays like shit yeah. and I get unlucky because of it. Yeah. You know, it's like this guy three bet calls off with queen jack offsuit and it's like, fucking punish him. We got him. We were in a close spot. We almost let it go, but we caught, oh my God, a jack. Why? Why would you, why would you ever reward this behavior? Yeah. You know what I mean? And like that I feel is okay because that's a reasonable human response yeah. where it's just like questioning the universe. Why me? Of course, it's a selfish one. But you're allowed those in in small doses, small intervals, right? What I don't want to give into, though, is the mindset of just like, this always happens to me. The The world is against me. Like, the deck is against me. This sure. site is rigged. Like, Dude, whatever. There are streamers out there that that's all they fucking do. And it's yeah. the most annoying thing ever. Yeah, yeah. I just want, I instantly just turn it off. Right. Your stream is great. Thanks. Your stream is really, really good. I, I think, um, obviously, you need a little bit of polish here and there with Shocking. like, uh, with uh, just you know attention to chat like yeah, yeah. things that you just learn by doing it yeah and it'll it's it's gonna run its course and dude you you have the capacity to be up there with the best of them if i can figure out how to start it and stop it more than two streams in a row mm-hmm. i think we're gonna make massive headway just like actually ending it when it's supposed to end i think i have it down now but i'm not entirely you know what the trick is what you have a start uh, a start countdown and you have a mm. uh thanks for watching screen sure easy see i don't know anything about those yeah i mean there's people out there yeah. we got people out you there. just do like a thanks for watching here's where you can follow us instagram blah blah blah, blah. Oh, all right. that easy shit yep and that's graphic that's why you don't have to worry about you know bye guys yeah all right how do i do this <laughs> you know yeah no that's fair but, um dude you should be able in my opinion, to live off of just streaming, but we don't have a system. That'll I, going I don't back see that to happening. I, yeah. I don't see it either. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I think you have bigger aspirations. Not even that. I'm just saying that, like, I think the path to monetization is getting worse and worse and worse for people who are willing to curate thousands of hours of content than it ever has been in the past. I think it was very novel five to ten years ago, and I think now it's just like this is just you can literally have a phone just set up. You know what I mean? I can go YouTube live right now. We could be doing the vlogcast live while we're filming it to edit, right? Yeah. And it's become so accessible and so easy to actually perform that YouTube is just like, we're the only game in town, baby. Same thing with Twitch. It's just like, we're, we're it. We're all you got. So we're going to give you cents on the dollar and we're going to just crank out ads on your behalf and make money hand over fist. Yeah. It's definitely the case. I mean, it was so much easier to even garner a audience back in the day yeah I, I know it was smaller don't get me wrong but if you were one of the first movers it's like man everybody was just packing in when i first started starcraft 
I was to like 400 to a thousand people on livestream.com. Yeah. And it, that was like, it was so much fun. That was so organic. When I moved over to Starcraft two, all of a sudden I have like 4,000 people watching me. I remember I had 10 K on my stream at one point. I'm like, how the fuck did this happen? Right. I, I have no clue. And then I decided to be a caster. Wrong move. Because if I kept 10,000 people, sure, I could have retired 10 years ago. Yeah. God damn it. You're doing okay, buddy. I'm doing all right. You'll be fine. Okay. So look. You're untapped talent. That's the problem. Sometimes. The problem is that you have money. If you were more fiscally irresponsible, we'd be putting that talent to work somehow, <laughs> some way right now. But like, you're just living on easy street about to head off to Hawaii. Yeah. We're, we're doing it. I was just kidding about the Maui thing. but the, Were the, you though? I don't know. <laughs> I'm thinking about it now. Sure. Um, so look, I think uh, the reason why I brought up the streaming, I know we tangented a bunch, but I, the reason why I brought up streaming is because people are going to want to do stuff like that, like want to put out their content, want to put out um, themselves out to the world. But the cost of living keeps rising. Right. And our income is still so tiny compared to that. And when you have this unification of global entities that are just owning industries, it doesn't lend itself for that to stop. Yeah. So I think the world is getting more fucked after this. And it's yeah. a damn shame, dude. Because I don't know. Again, I just feel so tired. Tired of this shit. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't know what the solution is. So I just play the game now. Right. And it's just like, well, I just got to do this. Whatever whatever it is yeah it's weird times it's weird times for sure i think the world is getting smaller both uh socially and economically commerce wise uh, i think like we're just seeing a lot more of that uh collective like okay you take this space i'll take this space and we'll just kind of run the world um i don't know how it all shakes out to be honest i i feel a little bit more optimistic than you but i think that is just kind of born out of privilege um, I know I run through this problem in my head a lot because my sister's in this spot where she had a kid very young. She had a ton of health problems. She ended up with a spinal fusion. She just literally has never been able to work in her life. So she lives in poverty. It's like she lives off of whatever I can give her every month. I, I mean, I shouldn't say she's in poverty. She does okay. But like she makes no money for herself whatsoever. She lives in like, you know, not great conditions and has to be losing her fucking mind. I couldn't imagine imagine being quarantined for effectively 21 years because like effectively that's that's what she's going to so when i put myself in those positions i don't look at it so optimistically i don't look at it through the lens of like i could do anything that i want and i always think it's kind of bullshitty advice to just say like you're all capable of doing whatever it is that you aspire to do mm -hmm. and it's like no that's it's not nonsense true. there's hierarchies man like yeah. you're capable of doing whatever your talents lend themselves to yeah and if you're not a a super intellect or you're not super athletic or you're not a creator of some sort you're not musically inclined or you don't have any of these talents like yeah your ceiling becomes a lot lower yeah and the issue is is that with lower ceilings as the the barrier of entry raises your floors become a pit of despair yeah and that's kind of like what concerns me is uh you know it's fine to advance the world and push society along but we just have no metrics in place to take care of those in need. And that just seems like such a, I don't want to say a simple problem to solve, but an important problem to solve. Important is the yeah. right word. hundred percent. If we don't solve that shit, 
then we will have most of the, I'm talking about this country in particular, we will have most of the population that are living paycheck to paycheck, not a ton of disposable income. And when you have, you know, now let's say during this expansion, we had 60% of the population that had disposable income Mm -hmm. that could play poker. Yeah. What happens when 20% of the population has it? Right. And that's what I'm afraid of. I don't know what that percent is going to be, but poker is going to take a beating. Oh yeah, for sure. The next WSOP, whenever it comes up, is going to get smashed. Don't expect those guarantees. Well, I'm sure the guarantees will be hit, but you know, they're not going up, right? Like I'm scared for all tournaments for all of us, how they're going to do and how these card houses or these casinos treat poker after that because they realize, well, this is so much work right. for for what exactly? Yeah, We're yeah. barely getting anything. Yep. So when, when I put all of that together, the fact that we still barely have online poker in America, man, it is looking scary to yeah. me. Yeah. Very, very scary. And it's weird because I, I love poker so much. I, I wasn't, I, I don't feel like, I feel like I adapted to the poker world and they've been so accepting. I really like relate to a ton of people in here, but I'm so scared of its livelihood going into 2021. Maybe it's not meant to be a livelihood forever. I mean, to some degree, I think like we'll, we'll lose the people that we're supposed to lose. Be that super geniuses who are wasting away, grinding 2 million hands a year, or be that some degenerate who is ruining his home life because he can't keep himself out of, debt um i think we'll lose the extremes i think the people who have carved out a niche will figure out a way um i think the game will always sustain you know if if we learned anything from the prohibition period it'll definitely sustain yeah the problem is getting in new people it's always been it's always been the problem yeah the reason why it was so easy in 2003 2004 around that time is because the ceiling was so low at that time you know the actual the best players in the world are garbage today. Right. Like, you know, by comparison. Yeah. 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 So now we introduce, you know, it used to be level zero to level 10. Now you start at level zero and it's level a thousand. Yeah. And it's like, oh my God, that is so daunting. Right. Really what it crushes is the safe space in between. Mm-hmm. That place where those guys just get to live forever if they want. The two five games, the 500 buy-ins, the, the protected space where you could still get lucky and do okay. Yeah. So what that means for running up, I'm not sure. We want to put on more content, obviously, but uh, really the reins are back with Jason. Um, I don't know what I'm doing, you know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a weird time. Obviously, I'm going to help Jason wherever he needs. Yeah, of course. Um, we'll be working together for the rest of our lives. Sure. We we've definitely kind of agreed on that. Where just we enjoy each other a ton. Um, but where I go from here, I mean, we'll see. <laughs> i have faith in you man you gotta you gotta oh no no no! Of- I, I i don't get me wrong i i'm i'm fine with um i'm fine i can always find work yeah work is not a problem yeah doing something that progresses something sure for the good of something is what i'm more for and obviously it's it was poker and poker productions that's what i thought i could really make um large waves in and i feel like i did but I wanted it to do more. Yeah, I get that. Um, and, you know, if it's any consolation, we're not planning on going anywhere. Yeah. And 
hopefully there's a, an expansion on horizon. So hopefully we can kind of pick up where you guys left off. I do want to get back into the live streams. I think that they're really great if we can figure out a, a bulletproof, I guess, template to operate off of. Um, mainly just the facilitating of the games uh, in a safe and secure way. But, you know, I, I think the market is craving it. And I think we're seeing that a lot now. That's why streams are just so, so fruitful. People are bored. People want to watch poker. I mean, Live at the Bike is restreaming their old games. And they're getting they're like, crushing it. Yeah, they're too. getting like 2,000 viewers concurrent. I know. You know, so it's like, people want the content, man. We just, we just have to figure out the, I guess, the best way to remain authentic without sticking your neck out on the line too far. Uh, and I think that there's a path there. I just, we have time. The, be the beauty of this is we have time. We have nothing but time. You know, yeah. it's crazy. I, I know we're, we're close to wrapping up here, but it's crazy that it took this coronavirus to, <laughs> for me to actually recognize that eight hours of sleep. I, I talked about this on the podcast before. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh yeah, I do anywhere from like six hours to yeah. around six, seven hours. I started getting eight hours of sleep feel amazing don't you it's way different yeah way way different. i'm the exact opposite since this has hit i have never worked so hard mm -hmm. and i'm averaging like four and a half hours of sleep a night wow. i can't sleep i literally can't even sleep i'll go to bed and just i've never in my lifetime had a problem sleeping and i think what i've associated it with is i'm not working out so like i just started working out again yesterday uh and i slept a little bit better but it has to be attributed to that. I just haven't been active for three weeks. And also like I'm busting my ass. Like I'm putting in longer days than I ever have. But yeah, man, I'm just getting no sleep. I fucked up the simplest math problem yesterday on day one of homeschool. I've never been so mortified, man. There are 75 people watching me calculate MDF after I had already calculated auto profit threshold. So it's literally just the inverse. It's one minus. That's it. I'm sitting here trying to reverse engineer an entire equation, trying to demonstrate like how we arrived here, landing at the wrong answer oh. and having 75 people be like, you're an idiot. And I'm just like, you're right. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm 100% sorry. Uh, I've wasted your time. Let's press pause for a minute, recollect, and I'm going to give you those 20 minutes back at the end. And it was mortifying. And then I just like walked away and I'm just like, I'm so fucking stressed. Like, I'm doing this to myself. I would never botch that on a good day. Sure. And I thought back to, like, the streams and my play and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, man, I'm, like, I'm misstepping all over the place because I'm used to getting an average of eight hours. There are nights where I sleep 12. Hell, I got nothing but time on my hands sometimes. You know, I want to be wild. rested. Well, you're doing great things. I think the business model switch is perfect, honestly, because, again, there are still going to be people that – that want to learn how to play this. Yeah. And I think you're offering a price point that really features uh, them taking advantage of your backlog of content while still, um, you know, obviously learning new concepts and, and going down, going into the rabbit hole. So I think, um, yeah, it's, it's what the market honestly needs right now. A tactical retreat. A tactical retreat. A friend once told me. <laughs> That's right, dude. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think we're going to be fine. I think, the market's going to be fine. I think it's just going to be long. It's going to be long. It's going to be tiresome. It's going to be, it's going to feel dark. Sure. After Black Friday, the market was going to be fine. Yeah. Right. It just fucking sucks. Yeah. <laughs> this sucks in a weird, in a very weird, different way because it's going the opposite direction. Whenever it was online to live, it was just like, whatever, man, 
you're all coming into my world. Like my day to day isn't going to change. And that's always like that transition to me is always good because it slows everything. It slows the learning process. It slows people going broke. It slows everything mm -hmm. when you reduce the volume from a million hands a year to 20,000 hands a year, right? Just drastically curbs all negative events. But going the other way, there might not be a live venue to come back to, man. If we like have all of that live money just transitioned online, the the you're going to see some rich motherfucking online grinders yeah. in the next 6 months. Yeah. I mean some you're going to see some graphs that you haven't seen <laughs> since the early 2000s. Just straight up. Yeah. Straight up like seven figure graphs playing 1 2 no limit. And we're all going to be in awe of it be like these are the people that we should worship. <laughs> You know, but the fact of the matter is they're tacticians. They're just data crunchers. They're literally looking at a HUD and they're just saying like, this guy sucks. He's not playing 1372. And it's just like, okay, well, how could I ever beat that? You, you have found the neat, uh, the glitch in the game, right? You've, you found the cheat code. Yeah. That's not the life I want to live, dude. No, I can't. Uh, it hurts my core <laughs> to think of it that way. Yeah. It's going to be a weird time. Let me ask you, when's, when do you think, I, I'll ask you this question next time you know, months from now, when do you think you will be comfortable going to a live large tournament? Um, well, so that, that I, I have to, I have to parse that in two different ways. Okay. For my own personal safety immediately for two reasons. I think I already had it, uh, which makes me unlikely to catch it again. And two, I'm just like pretty healthy and I, I don't think it's gonna have a major impact, but I don't think that's my major consideration whenever it's, should I go play live? It's, if I've had it, am I potentially still a carrier? Uh, and also like, even if I'm not, I could still potentially get again and then be a carrier. Mm -hmm. So like for the greater good, uh, it would take some time. And I would imagine, like I would need to see data. So putting a timeline on it isn't really as important as like putting some sort of like comfortable data behind it. Unfortunately, I was watching, um, there's this great YouTube channel called Three Brown, One Blue. Okay. Um, he's uh, just a math guy, but math visualization and he explains things so nicely. He did simulations on, um, on epidemics breaking out mm -hmm. and how social distancing affects things. Now, he did it completely mathematically. He's not an epidemiologist or anything, but he showed mathematically that there is very little difference between 90% of the population social distancing and like 50 or 60% of the social distancing. The only real difference is when you go to 100% right. social distancing where it's a huge drop off. And yeah, it's like, yeah. okay, that, that's really going to affect things. So if there are tournaments six months in, it's kind of like, well, Probably just doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter because the, the, the spread is going to be very similar. Yeah. If it's 90% or 50%. Yeah. That's a very defeatist approach. It is, but it's like playing at the Venetian. It's like, yeah, this yeah. guy is keeping us from having online poker, but those guarantees <laughs> are goddamn good. <laughs> and those players are pretty fucking bad. Yeah. So I got to make a living, man. You know, it's like, yeah, dude. you can only have pride to a certain degree. Uh, that, that's been an argument that I've taken up a bunch where it's like, we should all protest the Venetian. It's like, yes, we all should. We 100% yeah. all should. But the second we all don't, we shouldn't anymore. Yeah. There's a lot of fucking money to be made there. Exactly. It has to be all or nothing. Yeah. And it has to be in a case where everybody's not fucking struggling. Right. Right. Like, right. If you have to grind the Venetian, 
day in and day out. I mean, I know it's not every single day, but if you do have to grind Venetian every single time, um, I mean, you're in a you're in a spot where you don't have the privilege to make those stances, right? And it sucks, right? And it doesn't it doesn't promote anything being the guy on a soapbox exactly who does have that privilege, like scorning the others, finger wagging. Exactly, you know what I mean? it's like you're not doing it. Just play the tournament or don't. Don't care. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like we we need to do a better job of educating. Yeah, and dude, the Grand Cafe in those places or whatever Grand it's Lux, called, the yeah. Grand Lux Cafe. They are so fucking delicious there. Really? I oh, think the opposite. If you... You know it's the same owners as Cheesecake Factory. Uh, I did not know that. Okay. Well, now you know. Have I you, think they both suck. Have you had the beignets there? I don't even know what a beignet is. Oh, <laughs> you are missing out. That, that's really it? what I'm talking what about. It's like fucking fried deliciousness. Uh, it's like a donut-ish. Uh, and the, No, no, no. It's delicious. I'm sure it's great. I have bone broth and rice waiting for me as we speak. I understand. <laughs> All right, man. You take the fun out of everything. I try. I try to be a, a real fun suck anytime that we can get into things that aren't good for us. Yeah. Try the beignets at the Venetian or the... What's the other one? Palazzo? Yeah. Try them. Sure. Let Berkey know. Let me know, man. Let me know. I'm trying to win a goddamn fat loss bet here. You know, I don't need... Oh, yeah, beignets. that's right. Yeah, he's dead. He's drawing dead. Super dead. So I got him... Uh, we, I have a mutual friend through Nick Howard who is a personal trainer um and we agreed that like he loves the idea of ch taking chin on as a project so i was like all right man like i'm gonna get him on board i want you to I, I want him to win this bet like i want you to do what it takes he's like no problem so i hook him up with this trainer and i was like you know uh i'll do i'll do a home workout too and we'll just like compare our our progress results so yesterday was day one i took my fucking before pictures he has this app like you just set everything up right so i take my before pictures throw them up on the app I, uh, I marked down all my food and everything else. I get home last night after homeschool. It was like 1030 and chin's like grinding. And I'm like, you work out today? And he hits me with this like, you, you can hear the hesitancy in his voice, right? He's like, uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, all right, cool. And I go, you want to work out tomorrow morning together? He goes, nah. I'm like, why? He's like, I don't want you making fun of me. I'm like, why would I ever make fun of you? Like, you don't want to work out with me because you don't want to work out. Not because like you yeah. think that I'm going to poke fun at you or whatever. So this morning I woke up and Conrad's just like, yo, I would bet this fucking house that Christian didn't work out yesterday. I'm like, well, you should know you were here all day. Like when would he have done it? He's like, I didn't fucking see him working out. Look, I Christian, I want you. I want you to win this bet. But man, dude, it's like. You know what I don't want him to do? Is this little of effort and then find a way to win the bet. Oh, yeah. That would be fucking tilting. That would make me want to cut my own head off and just be like, take, fine, take my fucking money. I don't care. Like, you're worse for it. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, he's dead, though. Uh, it's unfortunate, but I hope he still continues with it and tries because, you know, a lot of times you can easily just be like, oh, I lost the bet. Okay. Yeah. That's I really it. don't think he's dead. Done. I, I think he's only mentally defeated. Uh -huh. uh, I think he has plenty of time to still pull this off. I said from the onset, I don't think it takes a year to lose half your body weight when you're 40% or half your body fat when you're 40%. I think it takes a year to reprogram yourself yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. put in the hard 16 weeks that it'll Honestly, take Honestly, he can half. go 90 days and see ridiculous oh God, yeah. results. Yeah, ridiculous. I think I think there's a, a very good chance that it would take 12 to 16 weeks to get him from the 36-ish that he's at now to like 23. Yeah. 
and then just be three percent away forever. Berkey, I was I was like one eighty four in November. Yeah. By the end of January or February, I forgot which. Like right now, I'm one sixty. Yeah. And all I did was Kerstetter's uh, workout, which is hey, run a hundred miles in a month. Right, right. And I started with a hundred kilometers because I couldn't do a hundred miles. Yeah. No way. And I worked up to it. And the month that I I um I did a hundred miles, man, I was it was just a complete game changer. I was like, I couldn't believe I my body could transform that hard. So Christian, you can fucking do it. We're resilient creatures. It's our mind that that blocks it. But yeah. the mind is a ter- the mind is a, a a terrible master, but a, a perfect slave, right? So it's just like you have to really default into that training yes yeah i had three black toes from running i hate black toes but i was just super committed to it yeah i wanted to they're still healing you can check them out later Uh, i'm I'm good uh so that's one thing second thing is berkey yeah i'm gonna take you up on the bjj oh fuck i forgot i said that you did say that i'm gonna get my back good uh I'll, there will be a picture up that I'll send to Conrad. I, I took of my before picture. Actually, I might be a little bit too embarrassed to put it up, but um, I'm standing perfectly straight. Mm-hmm. My neck is literally straight up and down. My shoulders look like this mm. and my lower back looks like this. Mm. So wow. somehow I hurt my, I, not somehow, I tweaked my back in f- September-ish um, and they discovered a little bit of arthritis in my lower lumbar which isn't a big deal. Okay. Uh, just stay active. It'll be fine. But ever since then, my left side has been guarding against this injury and it's thrown my spine completely out of whack. Yeah. So I healed, like I was hunched for a couple of days. I healed in a way where my hips are now disaligned with my right side high and it's dropped my left side, my left shoulder low. Damn. So I just have like all these trigger points now that I'm writhing in pain. My motion isn't very good. My mobility is not good. Well, I feel like BJJ forces you to have mobility in all of your body. Yeah. You know, like you're rolling all the time. You you, you start off like um, just prepping to, to roll. You do rolls, forward rolls, back rolls, side rolls, and you just do it over and over and over again just to get, you know, that flexibility and the mobility back into yeah. it. So I think, um, I think it would be great for you, dude. It's low impact. You'll, you don't have to go crazy. You don't have to talk me into it. There is a big part of me that has like fear associated with this. In doing what exactly? Just combat or, or like hand to hand. Boxing doesn't phase me at all. I did kickboxing when I was young. Uh, I'm happy to like hop in and hit the bag or, or uh, spar a little or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that stuff doesn't frighten me. Martial arts to me is like so technical. Uh, and I know boxing probably is too. But like it's just such a... A reasonable cardio workout even if you're not good yeah so you can be non-technically sound and still have the benefits to me martial arts is just like an art where it's just like it's supposed to look fluid and in this very like yeah well i mean way. there is that but what you're going to love i think is just the mathematics behind it yeah right and because i have such a b- different body than you than chin than conrad it lends itself to things that you can do on me, but you can't do on chin. Right. You know, right, and that's, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. That is and you get cool. to, when you, what I love is you go travel to Reno or wherever and you just show up at a class mm-hmm. and you get this huge group of people that you just get to, to figure out in an hour. Yeah. And it's just like, holy shit, this is fun. This yeah, is cool. cool. You know, I yeah. get to improv BJJ with these people and 
you just are able to not only outthink them and outplay them, but it's just like a physical, like, I just fucked you up. <laughs> it's great, dude. And then, yeah. but it's like, I fucked you up, but we're just playing around. We touch gloves, yeah. we pound it, and we just go again. It's I fine. just I just feel like I'm likely to hurt something. Because uh, I'm, I'm timid whenever it comes to that impact. Like, my natural response oh, I see. at impact is not to... I'm defensive. Do you know how to fall? Not particularly. Okay. That's the beauty of like BJJ, it, judo, all mm. that stuff. They teach you how to to take impacts. Interesting. To like absorb things. To yeah. you know, it's good for you. I, good I'm, for you. look. I'm I'm into it. I uh, I'm just not. So we'll see. <laughs> Have you wrestled before at all? No. Okay. Not outside of pretending to be Brett the Hitman Hart and put people in the sharpshooter. <laughs> okay. I mean, if that counts. I mean, sure. <laughs> okay well we'll have to go uh it's funny d moon i've been trying to get d moon to go she's yeah. wanted to for a while it's just it's hard to figure out her schedule exactly last time we did wrestling bjj was at the pepper mill reno on like floor four in sure. the middle of the hotel right and we just went for like 10 minutes straight because why not why not yeah i did the same thing with kerstetter <laughs> did the same thing with kevin martin we're sure. just in there I like it. I even there's video of me and Moneymaker doing it too. Oh my god! We're just fucking. I'm gonna need that. Yeah, I'm it was great. That, for he, sure. he used to be a wrestler. He's you could tell he used to be very good at wrestling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But now he's a fucking fat ass bitch. <laughs> Shots fired! All right, that's gonna wrap it for vlog number 44. I always appreciate you joining me. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll be back to your regularly scheduled program next week with Chin. Thank you guys for watching.